0: Everyone. As most of you may know by now, in addition to the weekly episodes we release each Wednesday, we also put out bonus episodes every other Friday exclusively for our generous supporters on Patreon, whose contributions have allowed us to keep the show going strong since 2018. For those of you who haven't signed up yet, for as little as $5 per month, you can access all of our exclusive bonus content and merchandise at patreon.com indoctrination. Today, however, in recognition of the recent one-year anniversary of the tragic Russian invasion of Ukraine, we wanted to share with our entire audience a very special bonus episode we recorded with Ukrainian journalist Olga Yurkova, who we spoke with from Ukraine while the initial brutal assaults were still being felt across the now war-torn country. In this episode, I also shared a few of my own reflections as someone who has a family history in Ukraine. On the date of these unprovoked attacks, all across the world, buildings and monuments have been illuminated in blue and yellow lights, and special services and vigils were held to commemorate the victims of Russia's invasion. I hope this episode will give you the opportunity to reflect on both the devastating outcomes that can result from indoctrination, propaganda, and groupthink on such a mass level, as well as the courageous resilience of the human spirit and the awe-inspiring bravery of survivorship of those still resisting tyrannical systems of control. Before the episode begins, I'd like to leave you all with a statement from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, which was made on the one-year anniversary of the invasion. On February 24th, millions of us made a choice, not a white flag, but a blue and yellow flag, not fleeing, but facing, facing the enemy resistance and struggle. It was a year of pain, sorrow, faith, and unity.
1: I wanted to say a few words before introducing our guest, Ukrainian journalist Olga Yurkova. First of all, our hearts go out to all of the refugees and displaced families currently struggling through the terror of the Russian military invasion of Ukraine. We hope the fact that the world is watching and keeping Ukraine in its heart and in its mind Bring some sense of comfort despite the horrible feeling of fear and helplessness that accompanies armed occupations.
0: I also wanted to take a moment to share
1: a personal story related to today's guest, Olga. So, As I mentioned, during a different episode, I found out that my grandfather, who I'd always been told was from Romania, turns out that he was from a city that is part of Ukraine now. The borders have changed many times. So according to where the borders are now, I have Ukrainian heritage and by total coincidence, The day before I was going to be speaking with Olga, I had someone come by to tune the piano at my house. And he was uh, a man who walked in who had left Russia. Um, He was a Jewish man who had been a refusenik, a Jewish man who was not able to practice his Jewish religion while in Russia during the time that he lived there and was finally, with some American aid, able to get a passport to leave and come to America. He had learned to play piano in Russia and came here and continued and to make some extra money whenever he could, because it's hard as a musician. He became a piano tuner. Now, years and years ago, I had been over at a friend's home and they collected instruments from around the world. Some of them, unfortunately, had gotten wet in a flood that they had had. And I saw what I thought was a kind of mandolin just in the garbage in front of my friend's house. The wood had all cracked because it had been sitting in water for a period of time and it was in kind of irreparable condition. But I thought it was a beautiful kind of art piece. And with its inlaid wood and metalwork... along the wood and I asked if I could take it even though it was not able to be played just as a piece of art to have in my living room. So I've taken it from place to place where I've lived and I have had it right next to my piano for a long time. So this piano tuner comes over and he sits down at the piano and he looks over at this instrument and he says, are you from Ukraine? And I said, no. But I found out, actually, that I have a grandfather who now, according to where the borders are, would be considered Ukrainian. So I guess maybe I am, to a certain degree. But why do you ask? And he said, because you have a Ukrainian instrument called a bandora, right here. And he points to what I thought had been a mandolin. And he said that it is an instrument that was created by Ukrainian musicians kind of as uh, an outgrowth of or inspired by the Turkish oud. And it's a smaller instrument, has its own distinct sound. And he said, ah, if it were in good condition, I could play it for you. And it was so powerful because sometimes you never know how you're connected to other people in the world. And it could be For social reasons, it could be heritage, it could be music, it could be anything, but that I was carrying a piece of Ukrainian heritage with me from place to place without even realizing it. And the message that we are all connected in some way or another, sometimes without even knowing it, was really driven home that day. I told that story to Olga when I spoke with her the next day. She said it made her very emotional.
0: today. Our guest, Olga Yurkova. She spoke with us last July
1: about her work fighting Russian propaganda campaigns in Ukraine with her projects Forbidden Facts and StopFake.org. Since then, as you know, Putin's violent invasion has ravaged the Ukrainian landscape displacing millions of people and causing thousands of civilian casualties in just a few months' time. Since internet connectivity is often unstable and services such as Zoom and Skype are currently inaccessible in Ukraine, we were only able to connect with Olga successfully via cell phone. As Olga explained to us, many Ukrainians experiencing the horrific sights and sounds of war have had trouble concentrating, as you can imagine, You can hear the hesitation in Olga's voice as she recounts her own struggles with the grim realities of war. We're so grateful for her strength and insistence on continuing to inform people in real time of the Russian dangers of disinformation campaigns, even in the grips of wartime chaos. You can find links to support Olga's work fighting Russian disinformation in the show notes of this episode. As well as organizations she suggests donating to to support Ukrainian people on the ground. Here is our conversation that was recorded last week from the relative safety of central Ukraine. Olga. I'm so happy to speak with you. Once I talk to people on the podcast, I feel kind of, I care about their lives, you know. So I uh, wanted to make sure you were doing okay. And I'm so happy to be able to talk to you again and to first just find out how you're doing just personally. Yeah, I'm
2: okay. And now I am uh, at my parents' home in Linnicea in central Ukraine. Um, it is just not all i say. safe. Yeah, now uh, we don't have always uh, completely safe places in Ukraine, but uh, uh, here is uh, relatively safe.
1: It's really nice to hear your voice and to know that you're relatively safe, right? Yeah. I know relatively is always going to be the word when there's instability. Um, you never know what's going to happen. And with the rest of your family and friends, is everyone doing okay? Yeah,
2: fortunately, yeah.
1: Okay. So I would love to hear from you just how you've been. I have some questions I'd love to ask you, but of course, take this conversation wherever you would like to go because you're living it and I'm far away just asking my questions, but there could be things that I wouldn't even know to ask about that are happening to you. So jump in with whatever you would like to talk about. Where I would want to start if it's okay with you is just finding out if the fear of physical safety, as you've noticed it, and instability, has that increased people's openness or vulnerability to misinformation?
2: Yes, it does. Uh, we are all experiencing emotional swings right now mm-hmm. here in Ukraine, from deep grief to euphoria all the time. And we also have some difficulties with focusing uh, on something. So, for example, a job that used to take an hour to complete can now take two or three hours because of me. Mm. And we check the news feed all the time so that we don't need the really important changes on youth. And this is a very like characteristic state for all of us today, even for those who are not directly under shelling or under occupation. as There are no completely safe places, as I mentioned, um, and uh, also many of those who left Ukraine are in the same condition because their relatives, for example, are defending Ukraine or is in danger in the war zone. So, against this background of physical and moral fatigue, stress, information overload, our ability to distinguish fake from truth may weaken. And we switch to the like so-called hot uh, reactive thinking. This mm. is how I think this is how our brain works when it comes to survival. The, and when people are in like in danger, in immediate danger, they they become even more vulnerable to information. So yes,
1: have you experienced that happening around you? Have you heard the sounds of war around you?
2: I saw the burning of. The airport, Vinita oh. Airport. Yeah, from my window, uh, it was not very close to me. It was like the very start of the war, uh, the first days, and uh, it, it was about um, thirty kilometers from our home. But our window, I could see it in my mm. window, and it was very uh, like impressive.
1: Until early this morning, some here in Kiev doubted that he would do it. Not anymore. The West warned Vladimir Putin was about to attack. He said he had no such plans. That fiction now utterly exposed. In Ivano-Frankivsk, in the far southwest, a missile struck an airport. The number of civilian casualties is rising. At Mariupol, in the south, another airport on fire. This country's civilian infrastructure is being heavily struck. There are no more flights in or out.
2: It was kind of panic, and then I also hear uh, sounds of explosions of, of other objects. I didn't saw them, but I but I heard them. I also hear uh, objects of I, uh, air force because, in, uh, because here in Vinnytsia is the center of Ukrainian air force. It was an explosion and some TV channels stopped
1: uh, stopped Mm the broadcast. And when you say TV station, you mean they bombed a TV station? Yes. It's kind of perfectly lined up then with the things that you have been dealing with and trying to address for so long, which is the interference with um, information.
0: TV tower, at least in the one video we saw, appears to still be standing, although it's not clear what the status is of that now. We have had uh, a report out from the Minister of Internal Affairs. Basically, the TV tower was hit. The channels will not be working for a while.
1: I mean, knowing that this happened and you have been having this on your mind about what it can cause when another country causes um, there to be so much propaganda. uh, And then they just feel that they can kind of take over a country if they feel like they've left it in a weakened state by having causing infighting, you know, like I think what happened here. And so it's like you had, I don't know if you know the expression, like a crystal ball, like you could see into the future by doing the work that you're doing with Stop Fake. And how much of what you were seeing growing around you, uh, do you think is a product or the reason that this is happening now, that the war happened?
2: I think that global awareness of, of the Russian propaganda techniques has increased. And also, there's still a lot of work to be done. In mm-hmm. particular, if we talk about, not about direct disinformation, but about the manipulative interpretation of true facts, for example. Uh, this is done by numerous think tanks, also called truthful idiots, who either directly receive money from Russia or that for some reason it is beneficial for them to promote the Russia, Russian narrative. So, um fact, I also see that um, there are a lot of like so called specialists in this issue, specialists, but they are um, they don't understand Russia, they don't understand Ukraine. I, I I don't I don't know why, but unfortunately it's also a very common situation.
1: Um yes. uh, got it. I you know, so some of the the news that we're getting here, some of the things that have made a huge impact, not only are the, the visuals, the uh, the things that are hard for anyone to see and people suffering. Um, also the, watching how uh, people caring for children are trying to keep the children happy and occupied and distracted and <laughs> with everything sort of falling around them, you know. Uh, so there have been so many heroes and in hospitals rescuing people, so many heroes that we have yet to to learn about. Um, That I I wonder, you know, when you're when you're talking about this disinformation that I don't know if you know how much we're hearing here in the United States about how people in Ukraine are calling their families in Russia and. Trying to tell them about what's happening and their relatives, their parents, their whoever is saying, no, 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 that's not happening at all. And they can't convince them that it's happening. So there is this um, like putting blinders on that the media is so unfortunately good at. And so I wonder, has social media been able to be helpful in affecting, really educating people in Russia and other places where they're kept from information? Or is there still a real division of information that people in Russia just don't they're not able it's not that they don't want to, they're not able to really find out what's happening
2: I see feel- that maybe they don't want, like maybe they don't um, even realize this, but they don't want to know what is happening because I also have some relatives in Russia. I have my aunt. Uh, when this, this was started, my uh, mother called my aunt to Russia and she thought, uh, No problem, uh, everything is okay. Be, like, become uh, the Russian soldiers, just uh, will. Will liberate you and and the And uh, my mother was shocked because uh, she t- she tried to um, explain my aunt that uh, they they are occupiers that they are bombed in Ukraine that they mm-hmm. uh, like kill people uh, so, like uh, civilians. But she didn't even believe. Like your president Zelensky is responsible for this, not because our president just had to do this, because otherwise uh, NATO could uh, invade Russia. (laughs) Nonsense. And uh, I think that there was another another attempt uh, of my sister to talk with here and with uh, the same result. So, but I think that it's impossible now in the um, in. Twenty-first century, (laughs) it's impossible to uh, not find the uh, reliable information sources and check this information. It's just—I think this is just about the like fear of fear for understanding what's going on and Mm -hmm. fear for uh, realizing that uh, they. The Russians are themselves responsible for the, for the situation because Putin is the uh, Russian president for 20 years, <laughs> so they should, uh, should do something with it, but, but they yeah.
1: didn't. It's so interesting that you talk about, I mean, you know, with the whole theme of the show of indoctrination, it's so interesting that you talk about it in this way that they don't want to know what's happening. The, Talk about the war and the conspiratorial thinking with protecting people from the Nazis, even though Zelensky's Jewish, like none of it makes sense. So at some point, I think in order for you to think that it makes sense, you almost have to dissociate like and just go along with whatever you're being told, because if you try to apply uh, logic to it, it doesn't apply and there are many people who just don't want to see because if they do see then what does that mean who is their leader and is he that kind of person and would he then maybe turn on his own people there i think it could be that people are just protecting themselves from seeing the truth that's very interesting and i'm wondering going back to this idea of social media has there been censorship or restricted internet access where you are?
2: Uh, there are some restrictions on TV channels in Ukraine. For example, just a week before the war, the National Security and Defense Council banned the main channel that promoted Russian propaganda in Ukraine. All in Ukraine, the main sources of this information today are not television, but uh, yes, but social media, and uh, particularly anonymous telegram channels. But uh, there are no, there is no censorship on social media in Ukraine. Uh, except for Russian uh, Russian sources, in Ukraine, Russian uh, uh, like Russian media, which are involved in this propaganda, are banned, and also Russian um, uh, state uh, state websites, uh, official websites mm. of Russian state, mm-hmm. are banned and restricted. Uh, but, uh, for example, Russian uh, some so-called liberal media, which um, don't uh, spread Disinformation, information, propaganda, we, we have access to them. And in Ukraine, there is no censorship online in, in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, Ukrainian sources of, of information. And uh, in uh In a sense, it's it's, uh, a bit dangerous because of this. I mentioned about anonymous Telegram channel, and um, there are a lot of them, a lot of some. Unfortunately, uh, Telegram became very popular uh, in Ukraine, especially now, because, yes, we have like some, uh, not uh, social media censorship, but uh, like some, some uh, restrictions of um, access to, to information, to important information about, for example, about uh, hostilities, about military actions, about um, about like some details which can be useful for the uh, Russians during the war time. So what people are looking for this information uh, on other sources, in official sources, and go to the Telegram channels, and there are a lot of channels, so. Uh, which spread uh, Russian Russian propaganda and disinformation, and they have all this, uh, this, they uh, publish all the details about uh, explosions, for example, or about some Battles, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, but they interpret uh, all these details in uh, like uh, in beneficial light for them. It's, it's very dangerous for Ukrainians because a lot. I, I know, I know uh, some people who believe in this information because uh, despite it's anonymous and um, I, and yeah, and the, the main sign that this information is uh, can be manipulated is. Uh, Russian language. It's very simple, but uh, and yes, and anonymity. But unfortunately, uh, I also um, lead a team, small team of the monitoring of Russian TV channel, Russian uh, Telegram channel. They are like not, uh, they don't mask themselves as Ukrainian. They just spread outright Russian Russian narratives. And yes, and I can observe, I can see that some of these narratives. Uh, are migrating to uh, this so-called Ukrainian channels, which mm-hmm. are in fact also Russian Russian channels. So, yeah, uh, this is the main problem regarding social media. As far as uh, maybe talking about Facebook, Uh, Our organization, uh, StopFake, now works with Facebook as independent fact-checkers. We have two organizations in Ukraine, StopFake and WorkCheck, who are members of the worldwide international fact-checking network. And um, members of this network can work with Facebook as independent fact-checkers and we check the uh, viral information on uh, on Facebook and can mark the. this. Uh, pieces of uh, like posts or videos or photos as manipulative or flows um, and in our uh, like uh, text in which we explain why it, uh, this information is manipulative, and it's also um, less people can see this information in their uh, news. So uh, on Facebook, some work is. I think it's, it's um, it makes sense. Mm But Telegram, unfortunately, is almost much delayed. Next, if you weren't on Telegram before the Ukrainian war started, you might well be now. Downloads of the messaging app have topped the charts since Russia invaded Ukraine. So Telegram was very popular in Ukraine and Russia uh, before the war uh, broke out. And now it's found itself on on the front line. Aid workers are using it. Journalists are using it. Of course, officials and politicians on each side are using it to spread their messages.
1: Quick question about fact-checking. How do you do fact-checking? Because there, there are so many sources that are very good at seeming Legitimate, and so from your experience, and then we can come back to what's happening in your country. But just, just diving into this part, just about knowing what the truth is. How do you find that out?
2: We have a list of like the top propagandists, and we monitor them all the time on social media or some uh, Russian speakers. Politicians, and not not just Russian politicians, but sometimes also foreign politicians uh, who are like pro-Russian or uh, get some benefits from this. So uh, when we attract. Uh, the top propaganda sources. Three, uh, uh, more or less, we can track the whole, uh, the whole space because uh, they are the, the narratives are the same, and they also migrate to the Telegram channels as I mentioned. In different, mm-hmm. maybe in different, uh, they like uh, take different faces because sometimes they mask as uh, pro-Ukrainian information, but uh, pro- but they promote the same narrative. So yes, we, uh, first of all, we start from from top uh this information sources and uh, check this information. We just uh, take a piece of news, check it with verifiable tools like photos, videos, or other strong evidence. And if it turns out to be fake, we put it on our website. And if it's not fake, we do nothing, because for us, it's better to have less fact checks, but a more qualified ones.
1: Right. So more qualified. Right. So I I mean, it's, you know, we talk about the the fog of war, where things get a little hard to see the the expression, the dust settles. Trying to see your way through that fog sometimes is difficult. I'm glad you know who are the trusted sources, the people who really will tell you what's true. I know it's not a safe thing for a lot of people to be truth-tellers right now, in many parts of the world, actually. And I'm wondering if you have felt unsafe because of the work that you do.
2: While we are in Ukraine, we get some threats online, but we
1: are like, we used to, uh, to it's not much of a problem. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Because that was happening before, that you were getting threats. What sort of threats?
2: Mm-hmm. I I can't even um, recall, (laughs) because there are a lot, and uh, all the time it's some hate speech, some word, bad words about Ukrainians, and Ukrainians, and about our work, and they also, uh, that we are part of some special services to NATO, for example, (laughs) and said, you will be killed, you, uh, we, we will go to your home, we know yeah. everything about you, and something like this, but uh, we understand the threat of both. So, stuff we just uh, are used to, 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 don't care about it.
1: Yeah, right, it's so interesting because those threats could be very scary if it's the first time it happens to you, but if you're at this point where you're saying, you know, it happens. A lot. I'm used to it. That just shows how often it happens.
2: We are experienced uh, for eight years.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Oh no. Okay. And,
2: but during the war, uh like talking seriously during the war is one uh, it is one of the like of the, the most important uh, goals of propaganda, wartime propaganda is to to scare People like to promote some fear, some uh, feeling of insecurity, and, and there are a lot of. Uh, um, I mean, uh, uh, the propagandists also spread a lot of not just like media false news, but uh, some uh, messages on uh, messengers or or, or chat, uh, for example, in on, on Viber or or, or or Telegram. As I mentioned, uh, the Messages about something to uh, to be happen uh, something to happen. For example, uh, I know that today or tonight uh, will, there will be a massive uh, missile attack, and everyone should um, go to their to the shelter, or so on, or, or so forth. Uh, and people all all the time in this insecure uh, state, and it's, it's also it's, it's also very harmful because it um, decreases our ability to uh, to fight. Or and so it's, it's so it's not about uh, narratives; it's just about fear.
1: Right, it's so true. It does decrease your ability to fight when you're on edge, when you need <laughs> to go protect yourself. Those kinds of stories, and seeing the footage of people who are in these shelters and people who have been there quite a long time, people who are without the medication they need, or people who are elderly, who are having a hard time in general, uh, just without the care that they are needing or the accommodations that they're needing. You know, for people in America, many people, and people around the world, I think that that connects to our hearts when we can see what people have to go through just being under that constant threat and hearing sounds like the sounds that you were hearing and the bombing i mean those can cause long-term trauma and people being very jumpy and not knowing when it's going to happen next when something cannot be predicted it's inconsistent it actually can create more anxiety uh, and so I, I would hope that people could at some point get the support they need, but even before thinking about getting emotional support, yeah, you, you need to still be connecting as a country to fight, to fight in what I see as this sort of David and Goliath story, because you need to then be as strong as possible. Have you felt that there is more awareness now of Propaganda of the basically yes. the message that you've been trying to tell people for so long, <laughs> and so <laughs> do you feel like now people are getting the message?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah yes, uh, yes. Fortunately, uh, yes. The awareness about of people about propaganda has increased, uh, and uh, one of my uh, my friends said to me that about some story uh, that it's not true. It's false. So, false story because. Read about this on top fake, it was like a compliment. They are popular, but in some like bubbles, but not right. Really. So, uh, yes, in Ukraine, there are also two uh, state bodies created a year ago which uh, also work against disinformation. Uh, it's Uh, Center of Strategic Communication and Information Security uh, under the um, Ministry of Culture and Information Policy. And it's also uh, the Center of countering Disinformation under the National uh, Security and Defense Council. And they have their Telegram channels, and these channels are very popular in Ukraine. But um, there's still a lot of jobs to do.
1: Right. Yeah, I think there is still a lot more work for you to do for other people to do, but thank goodness you exist. And and it does feel good that someone says, Oh, I know I I believe this because I heard it or I read it on Stop Fake. That's that's really wonderful to know that you are a trusted source of information. And not only to that person, did it make uh, an impression or uh, did it make an impact? Because then they can share what they learned from you with other people. So you never know how big of of an impact you're going to have on a greater number of people. So I think it's so important that you keep putting this information out there and you know I'm sorry that you have had to deal with threats for so long to the point where you barely pay attention to them anymore because they happen so often that that does happen to a lot of people who are what they call the truth tellers because the having the lie works better for them or works better for their country so they feel very threatened by the truth yeah 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 unfortunately yes I mean I think what you do is so important it's interesting because I think before I was thinking that you were on the front lines as they say sort of during wartime but now it actually is that you are in the front lines that you're experiencing this sort of war personally for you when the war began what was that like for you what did you think was going to happen and what were you worried was going to happen
2: the war began, I was in tears, and I was a bit, like, paralyzed with this news, because my sister called me 6 a.m. I was sleeping, and and she told me that there are missile uh, attacks in Ukraine, and it was shock for me, because I, mm. uh, yeah, all of us... Uh, uh well, we're talking all the time about the uh, this threat from Russia, about this war um which can start, but but we uh I think we thought more about somewhere in the Donbass, not uh, not with uh, war with involvement of aviation and missiles mm-hmm. and yeah by the shop and they didn't know what to do. And I just in the evening, I started thinking and started, started doing something. Uh, just uh, yeah, I, I gathered my gold bag and my uh, military friend. Also, my military friend called me uh, in the evening and suggested to leave Kiev as soon as possible. And uh, yes, and the next day I just I left uh, left Kiev by a evacuation train. 14 of us in one um, compartment, it's difficult to forget this emotion. As Russian forces are getting closer to the city, people are streaming out of it. Parents are tethered to their children, they're taking their pets, they're taking their grandparents, and everyone is heading west. Hearing the train announcements and the train whistles and these long lines of people climbing onto the tracks, it feels to me like another era. This train is heading toward Lviv in the West, and now people are trying to crowd on that everybody is able to get on. The end I saw this. Explosion of the airport it's here in, in Veneta, uh from my window. And mm. yes, uh, the first days of the war were very difficult because, yeah, we understand, we, we realize that it, it is true that war is started, the Russia invaded Ukraine, but uh, it's impossible to believe. It was impossible to believe. And now, yeah, now we are uh, like just, uh, we, we realize that this, this is true and this is. For a long, for a long time, maybe, but uh, and we mm, and we still should uh, as as much as possible to uh, to win because we don't have any other option. <laughs> it, it, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an illusion that it's, it's possible to uh, come to terms with Russia to have some negotiation. Then Russia will stop. It will not. Unfortunately, uh, all the experience of Georgia, Chechnya, Transnistria, Syria shows us that if, if Russia doesn't stop. The uh, Russia doesn't stop. Russia will stop just in case of uh, Ukrainian victory. And uh, because uh, then, uh, when when uh, the rules don't work, if Russia can break the rules without consequences. Uh, then there are no rules, so no, nobody's safety is protected. Uh, it's not mm. about the parents; it's about the whole world. And yes, and this is the most. I think it's it's our feeling, but it's uh, we know what Russia is. If it's not stopped now, they will continue to grow, and Ukrainians are now paying with their lives for for our common future. I am sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, right now it's important to unite in order to save our common future from new bloody wars. And it's not, uh, yeah, it's not our war. Uh, it's important for us to unite inside Ukraine, but um, it's also very important to unite for the whole democratic world.
1: Among those fleeing are journalists. After Russia blocked its last independent TV channel, TV Rain, and the network made the decision to shut down, several of its leaders fled the country in fear for their safety. For the station's final broadcast today, those staffers remaining in the studio gather for a farewell at the anchor desk. Quote, We are on the right side of history. From what we hear also, there was a Russian news channel on television where they got up and left in the middle of a broadcast and they shut it down because they knew they were reading propaganda and their conscience stopped them. And they knew they were taking a risk by getting up and leaving, but there is a, someone filmed the Russian news channel And newscasters just taking off their microphones, standing up and walking out because they didn't want to participate in the propaganda machine. And there's been a lot of these moments of bravery where you see that's a big risk to do that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you want to know that you're doing the right thing, even if you take that risk. What's also something that people are learning about here is that. It seems that Russia is surprised by how hard this has been, right? I think they thought it was just going to be very easy to take over. And the Ukrainians have made it much harder than I think Russia was expecting. Is that the feeling there, too?
2: Yes. Many think tanks and find blame Russia's invasion of Ukraine solely on Putin, not the Russian people. Uh And Oh, many so-called good Russians are now traveling to the world and talking about the fact that this is Putin war. They are against the war. Mm. And so it's unfair that they suffer from sanctions. And these are famous people mostly, like di- TV directors, politicians, presenters, mm. and so on. But Russia attacked Ukraine back in 2014 when it started Crimea and started the war in Donbass. For some mm-hmm. reason, none no of them spoke out against this. Uh, and some even supported and have themselves promoted anti Ukrainian narrative. So I still think that, in fact, now they are not opposing Putin, but protecting their comfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and voices are already heard in the West that maybe not everything is really so simple and sanctions should be eased. And this is a big danger for us in Ukraine because on the sanctions, I I think sanctions and and unity uh, can block the financing of the war in Ukraine, because because all the uh, all the money which go to Russia are fin- it, it's it's uh, a financing the war funding the war. Uh, mm. On the other hand, it was not Putin personally who killed thousands of Ukrainians in Bucha, Mariupol, and many other cities and villages. They, this was done by ordinary Russian soldiers who can be sorry, so, uh, so sorry now. I wouldn't feel sorry for them. And the problem of Russia's imperial uh, mindset goes deeper than one particular politician, Putin, or even his inner circle. Uh, Throughout its existence, Russia has been engaged in wars of conquest.
1: I just had one more question, but if there's something else yeah, that you okay. wanted to make sure to mention, go ahead.
2: Maybe i I, I would like to um, to tell about ways about some ways to help Ukraine. To help Ukraine, you can donate for humanitarian aid or uh, give some assistance to refugees on the ground. Mm-hmm. Dissemination is also important, which which is also important, the dissemination of truthful information about Ukraine and counteraction to uh, Russian propaganda, which is mm-hmm. unfortunately very active abroad. So, uh, if you are interested in this, and uh, of course you can support to uh, Ukraine and people. Uh, yes, and so we are very grateful to the whole world and to the US, uh, especially to the US, that. You stood up for Ukraine and and tears, and we are well aware that this affects our well-being. Now it's important to understand that this war concerns everyone, and so um, it is our common thing to win this war. And also, it's not the war, not just like for the battleground, but also the war uh, for for our uh, minds, war against the truth. And we're seeing a big shutdown in Russia right now. We're, we're seeing the, uh, the press being censored. We're, we're seeing very heavy-handed control of news. Um, but again, we revert to Orwell. There, there is truth. And, and if there isn't any truth, it's just a case of who's got the biggest megaphone. So it is the job of the media to try to find out the truth and to communicate it.
1: Got, you know, as before, it's very powerful to to speak with you, and I wish you safety and health, and and that there's going to be peace again. We all over are are so impressed by your country and by its leadership, and you know by the people who have just done whatever they can to help. You know what happened just shows how needed your work is to. Keep people understanding what the truth is and not buying into the lie. No matter, you know, how many times it's said, it still doesn't make it the truth. And, uh, you know, many people have talked about that, including George Orwell, you know. So thank you for the time today and for the work that you do and for the fact checking that you do for the world, for the truth telling you do. Even you know, at risk to yourself.
2: Yeah and thank you for your support and for your interest in our work.
1: Of course, of course, a pleasure to talk to you.
2: Try to find out the truth and to communicate.
1: Thanks again for listening to our Patreon bonus episode. Your support is crucial to keeping the show on the air. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for more content and resources. Be well, and I'll talk to you soon.